Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction went, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do. You know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, <laughs> Thanks, right. Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh, my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could do this, and I was just so comfortable that I was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? listening to the words and nerds podcast on this podcast we chat about books the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world i'm your host danny v the book when men cry explores issues that may be a trigger for some people for support you can contact lifeline on 13 11 14 or lifeline.org.au or beyond blue on 1300 22 4636 or beyondblue.org.au today i welcome nick waziliev Journalist, yes. podcaster, current host at Weekend Booktopia is Booktopia's social media specialist, occasional host for the Green and Gold Rugby Sports Podcast and marketing manager from Indigenous NGO, the Barwara Foundation. Welcome, Nick. It's good to see you on the other side of the podcast as my guest because you always terrify me when I'm your guest when we have the dreaded book fight. But welcome. This is a bit different. This is very different, but it's a, it's great to be here. I'm completely terrified that you'll you'll throw throw a spanner in the works and get some revenge on me for for book five. But no, this is how I know this is how I know I've made it. If I'm on the <laughs> if I'm on the much touted Words and Nerds podcast, I'm not even joking. I, I listen to you got you a lot, and I'm a absolutely massive massive fan. Well, Nick, you might call this an interview. I call it revenge. But same 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 same. <laughs> it's all fine. It's good. <laughs> No, we celebrate books here. You know that. Big book lovers as you are. So today we're going to talk about When Men Cry. Can you give us an elevator pitch to your book, please? Yes, I certainly can. It's the story of four men set in early 2020 Sydney. It's, they start going on a night out um, and they're going out, they're having some fun, they're getting on the drinks. It's the first time they've been together for a good year or two, like a year or so. But as the night goes on, and the drinks start going down, the beers start flowing, it becomes clear that there's something, one of them is, is hiding something. He's not feeling okay. And the repercussions of this night essentially 
make the, the rest of this story because the other three guys in this group of friends just struggle to answer the basic questions of how you doing, mate? Are you okay? Are you all right? Um, so it's a story about honesty, men, how men speak to each other, mental health. Um, it's not all a downer. There is a, there's a lot of fun and banter in there too, but uh, yeah, it's a story about honesty and how men talk to each other. Hmm. I found that really interesting because there are a lot of books about female friendship and I think female friendship, you know, can be quite different um, to friendships between males. I mean, I'm stereotyping here. Obviously, there are all different types of friendships. But why was the complexity of the male relationships or friendships in your book, why was that important for you to explore? Well, because not a, lot of, a lot of books that I had read or grown up reading hadn't really delved into it as much. But not only that, the, the actual story itself, uh, this was a five-year process for me. Um, first book, you're, you're learning how to write. You're learning, if you, you're, you're proving to yourself that you can actually even do it. And this story originally started as a short story um, that was very much about talking about gambling and the status of gambling. But I learned very quickly um, that you'd be paying, it would essentially, if you were to write a story like that, you, you, you can't really get that across in a way without becoming very preachy to your audience. And it became very clear that I needed to go deeper and examine well, why do people go towards things like this, like gambling, like alcohol, um, like these uh, destructive habits. And this, uh, this space that around male friendships and how men communicate with each other just kind of opened up to me. So I, I grew up um, in the country um, in southern in New South Wales. And, you know, I've been in Sydney, you know, now getting on about seven or eight years. And men are terrible at talking to each other. The truth, the simple truth of the matter is, and it, there's a lot of reasons for that. And it's not just about, you know, when, when a bloke talks to each other, you can't have just a, a dialogue where you can get out there. It has to be, men are very selective about who they choose to be vulnerable in front of. Um, which I think sucks in all honesty, because the, it, it leads into, you know, and we talk about like generalizations a lot, but men genuinely feel like that if they, uh, if they put themselves out there, they can be perceived as being weak or not, uh, not seen as the stereotypical strong guy. So it's about what is said and what is not said, which basically meant that I had this entire gray space to, um, examine this uh, how men interact with each other um, set against this based on a lot of my own um, experiences experiences um, you know that I'd heard about with other pe people um, it just it, it became clear to me that this space hadn't been touched on enough mm. um, which is why which is where the writing really took off for me and you talk about vulnerability and I'm really interested in vulnerability because I spent much of my 20s thinking that that made you a weak person to be vulnerable. And it's really only been in the last maybe five, 10 years, maybe a little bit, you know, maybe not quite 10, that I have realised and I think that vulnerability is actually a strength of character because being vulnerable means you're authentic. It means that you're human and it often helps you sort of deal with things that you're dealing with. What do you, what's your take on, on vulnerability and masculinity? Well, it's vulnerability is incredibly important because if you, if you aren't vulnerable, if you aren't prepared to be um, open, completely honest with someone, um, 
that's an important part of life. You have to be prepared to be with your friends. Um, that space is incredibly valuable and incredibly important. And the, in doing this book, I worked with, I like, uh, you know, talked to a lot of mental health charities and worked with a couple of mental health charities on it. And a lot of them talked, for example, about that vulnerability is also about creating a safe space. The notion of that you are someone, and, and you get touching on your point of, of strength, touching as, as an actual strength. Being a safe space is something that people can gravitate towards. You person can be a safe space. Um, Vulnerability for me is a, a key learning of this story because essentially at the core of this, achieving that point of maturity uh, where, you know, you've reached that point of it's, there's all the physical maturity has kind of happened, but you're now at that point of emotional maturity where you actually learn to be an adult, be a person. And the actual vulnerability is a very key, important part of that, which can be really difficult to learn. And a kind of a key learning point at the end of the story is, again, we talk about, for example, even the physical notion of crying is an expression of vulnerability. It's a physical, actual physical expression of vulnerability. It's a life affirmation, the actual act itself uh, of, being, of being vulnerable. It's a completely normal thing. And I think because you know, in these, in these times, men don't, I think, don't get the value of vulnerability. I think that they lead to, they lead to many misconceptions about it. You think of vulnerability and like you mentioned, it goes on, they touch about, about weakness, but when actually given the chance to be vulnerable, um, it's something that people take very seriously. You have the chance to be like, I need to have this honest conversation with you. I need to have this chat with you. It, it becomes something that is really valuable and really important. And it is absolutely a strength and a key learning that you should take away um, whenever you are in that state. Being vulnerable is not a bad thing. Mm, I think so too. And it's a lesson that I learned later in life. And I kind of regret that. I wish I'd learned it a lot earlier. But I think um, somehow on this podcast, I don't even know how it started, but I started talking about my anxiety and I'd never spoken about it before. I just pretended it didn't exist. And, you know, that just makes it worse. And I think for the first time in my life, I feel like I have some control over it. And that was because I just started talking about it all the time and I felt like it no longer owned me. So I'm just a big fan of vulnerability right now because I feel like it actually can really help you. Anxiety is something that I have dealt with personally quite a lot. And in some you know areas of my life, I still deal with personally. Um, it's the anxiety can often be driven by a lot of by a lot of things and before as, as a full disclaimer before we kind of continue talking about this I am not a healthcare professional neither well. am I I just um, experience anxiety <laughs> yeah and it's and I've, and I've seen health professionals about it <laughs> exactly and it's the so the wherever I come from and that includes coming down to the book as well it it's it my own experience and my own feeling that, but the interactions that I've had with others. Um, and, you know, the debilitating nature of anxiety can be such a, a crippling thing. And this is where vulnerability becomes uh, incredibly important. Um, within the actual notion of, of, of being vulnerable, particularly to someone who deals with, with issues around their mental health, um, again, kind of creates the notion of being allowed, being able to be safe, um, actually having the chance to, to actually trust someone. Um, kind of touching on this, on the book a little bit, and, and this point of anxiety that, you know, we mentioned, we have a whole bunch of characters who go through a, a bunch of different 
stories. Um, you have you, you have your Logan who is you have your Logans who is kind of seen as your stereotypical bloke who is putting up a front um, and is clearly uh, really struggling to hide to to put some th- to to keep all of the issues that he's having under the surface. But you've also got the likes of Noah, who is a notorious overthinker. Um, who really, who, and as a result, can actually make decisions that are all over the place. Um, the entire notion, for example, with anxiety is that it's something that can be crippling and very, make you feel completely lost and stuck and like you can't do anything. You, you're basically just constricted and you feel completely powerless. Even if, even if, you know, someone who is experiencing anxiety won't open up to you immediately, even the knowledge of them saying, well, if you ever want to speak to me, I'm there is more than enough because it, it can, it basically says to them that you might not be ready now, but when you are ready, you have a safe space here for someone to talk to you, which is incredibly important. And, and touching on what we've already talked about a bit, that vulnerability is very, makes vulnerability, vulnerability an incredibly important part of, of growing up. And as as and of this story too. Oh, don't worry. I've been Trust there, been me. there, done that. Know Trust all me. about it. <laughs> toxic masculinity is obviously a really huge issue in our society and in the media, social media, as it should be, because we need to you know keep pushing against this. How can we push back against toxic masculinity, and how does your book help do that? The actual story of the book um, really portrays. Uh, I mean, and I think this whole idea of toxic masculinity really is like you have to be a certain way. You have to be presented in a certain way to be constituted a bloke. Um, there's, which really is, it's it's misleading and also it's it's badly, it, it sends a very bad educational message to young boys growing up that this is the notion that you have to be as a person. Um, what When Men Cry, one of the key things about it is it's, it showcases an extreme circumstance, but a circumstance of the consequences of not actual, of kind of that lack of action, that lack of ability to speak, um, that lack of vulnerability. It's, and it shows what a potential endpoint of that could be, um, which really highlights that so many of the issues that, you know, within the book, and I don't know, I don't know how much in terms we will go into in terms of spoiler territory in regards to this book, but one of the main characters, uh, he gets a partner. Um, and this partner actually offers really common sense solutions to a lot of these problems. And it basically is all about communication, opening up, asking those simple questions, being prepared to be vulnerable in front of each other. And a lot of the issues as the, 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 the tension between these four guys basically builds and builds and builds comes from the fact that they don't talk to each other. They don't address the issues or they attempt to address the issues in a way that's either aggressive in that kind of more stereotypical toxic masculinity fashion or through not actually through, through kind of jumping around the actual issue itself and not being prepared to actually go, we're not feeling okay. I know, I know you're not feeling okay, but I want you to know that I am, that I value you and I love you very much as a person and when you are ready to talk about how you're feeling, you have a safe space with me. That's kind of one of the key learnings from the book. 
And what I hope it would be is, is not only kind of showcase in terms of the entire dynamic of toxic masculinity and show the eventual endpoints of not, of kind of uh, not being prepared to be vulnerable, um, but also show how to do it right. Because at the end of the story, there's, there's this, this moment where the character, a character has a chance to just speak and be in that vulnerable place um, at a critical moment. And when that happens, suddenly they they completely change. They 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 cut. They turn from being this person who's viewed in a, in a very fr- in a very aggressive way and as not disclosing their feelings to someone who suddenly feels renewed and has a chance at life again. Um, so I hope that it it kind of portrays a realistic portrayal first of all of of that mental health angle, but also when it comes to actually if you are a bloke being okay with being vulnerable um, to break and kind of break down that toxic masculinity mentality uh, that exists. Mm. Um, I got a lot of inspiration from other, from other books, other books inspired me um, around that. So for example, the work of Clementine Ford, um, particularly with her book, Boys Will Be Boys and how she discussed how boys are actually brought up and the lack of, of, uh, of sympathy that they, or empathy that they, the, the, being told to suck it up, as an example, uh, is something that extends into that whole toxic masculinity, masculinity learning. Or the likes of uh, Jess Sanders, who I've been lucky enough to interview about her book, uh, kids' book, Be Your Own Man, where she also talks about uh, these, it's a, a children's book encouraging men to actually be more vulnerable and portray that, that vulnerability. Hopefully it can recontextualise what masculinity means. Um, away from that toxic mindset into something a lot more human because yeah. we all cry. We're all, we all go through those emotions and to deny them is, is, is harmful to you and to other people. It's, it's a constant worry, I think, as a parent that you're doing it right, that you're not falling into societal traps that we've been conditioned to. And this is something that I think is definitely changing. Um, you know, growing up, there was a, a lot of... Uh, established societal expectations and I use that expectations with you know in quotation marks I think it is something that is changing obviously there's a lot of work still to be done it's an interesting conversation and not one that I'm an expert on I don't definitely don't claim to be but I'm no, trying <laughs> to be very thoughtful in my parenting and um, you know because like you say humans should be judged by their character not by much else I think even if you break it down I think um when I spoke to Trent Dalton, he said, you know, if you just want to go right to the basics, it's about safety and it's about love. Mm. And that yeah. those two things cover so much, you know, love and safety cover vulnerability. It covers acceptance. It covers diversity. It covers unconditional love. And I think there's a lot of truth in there that if you just, if you, you know, it can be complicated parenting, but if you break it down to those two base level things and always think about love and safety, Hopefully mm-hmm. you can't go too wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always a case of just I think of, of crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. But he, but <laughs> that terrifies me. <laughs> I, I know, but it's it's again it's it, again it's the safety and the and the love that 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 Trent talks about because. Um, you always, whenever you are a parent, you always just want to make want to make sure that you do right. 
Yeah. Um, which and is a not, really difficult. And you're going to make mistakes. You know, you are. But I think, you yes. know, and, and I do that. And if I make mistakes in my parenting, if I get a bit crankier than I should, I mean, who would believe that? Um, I always <laughs> go and apologise. You know, I always think that it's really important to go, I'm really sorry, but I was, you know, a little bit stressed. I've had a really long day. I'm really sorry about, you know, whatever X, Y, Z. And so I think that's mm. really important too, just because you're the parent, it doesn't mean that you're infallible and you you can't apologise to your children. Yeah, I agree. Interestingly, interestingly kind of talking on this this particular topic of, of growing up and and family dynamics and, so, and, st- and such, in a couple of the podcasts that I've been doing, you know, talking about this book and, and the topics of mental health, um, particularly this, the character of Louise really st- uh, has been has stood out to a lot of people because, um, and one of the main topics that I also want to talk about was because men are so terrible at uh, dealing with their mental health, many people thought Louise it, it almost like has to step in and be a mother to him, to, to, to the, the narrator, Chris, as he struggles to actually process this stuff and deal with this stuff. And in terms of that role of just being that guidance, but also being that combination of safety and love, safety in terms of wanting to look after him and making sure he doesn't hurt himself, um, whilst at the same, in terms of this this group of friends, whilst at the same time wanting them him to help be with the people that he loves and he cares about in his mateship group, um, because it'll be helpful and healthy for him um, as a person. And it's, and this was something that I, you know, treated very carefully um, because when you're talking about this, this subject, it's, you know, and touching on the topic of how men deal with these issues compared to how women do, women are much more prepared to much more willing and much more encouraged from a young age to open up. um, I think in terms of being prepared to be vulnerable in front of each other, being prepared to talk about the issues in front of um, in front of each other, but also in front of their in, in in front of parents, and I think as a result, the actual management of of these emotions of being vulnerable, uh, a lot of people uh, they develop from a, a much earlier age, which is really emotional maturity, developing emotional maturity from an, a much earlier age. I think though that. The circumstances in terms of Chris, he's not able to process a lot of this stuff over the process, over the course of the book, he learns that, but only through making mistake after mistake after mistake and failing time after time after time within his friendship, uh, with with his friendship group, um, does he learn that by talking and actually being prepared to be close and be vulnerable with his mates, does he actually learn how to, how to be himself? But it's interesting to me how in terms of, you know, doing the research for this and examining for this, examining this, I came across a, a research paper where um, partners were asked, they basically asked, you know, what's it like being, you know, when a man or whoever, um, you know, cries in front of you, how does that make you feel? Um, and a lot of the, a lot of partners said, well, I feel very honored that they're willing to be that vulnerable with me. Um, that was the vast majority of the responses. And a lot, and most people thought, "Oh, that's great! That's so great that they're willing to be vulnerable." And I, it made me very angry, because it may, basically said, "Well, if they feel um, honoured to be in front of, they feel honoured that that they're, they're the closest person that they know is crying in front of them. The fact that they feel honoured in front of it, in front of them, suggests that they don't do that very often, which sucks. 
that and that is something that needs change and they again touching on on the on the book was a key reason why as the story came together it, was, it became something i really wanted to address and it starts from this young age that we're talking about and you're talking about you know vulnerability and and having those hard moments but don't you think they're the moments that you experience most growth those hard moments those vulnerable mm. moments you know i think back on the hardships of my life and they're the moments that I grew the most, you know, I, I tried to become better or, you know, we really, really became self-reflective, you know, they're, they're, you don't kind of do that when you're happy, you try, but you know, you have those really <laughs> deep reflective moments when things are hard, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to go through those moments to actually learn the value of, of those moments of vulnerability and learn those moments of, of, uh, of, not only being prepared to be honest with yourself, but honesty with other people and honesty with people that you love and know that and you care about, um, being prepared to, to stand up to people who you love, which can be really difficult. Um, but those conversations well. with yourself can be difficult too. You know, I found oh, yes. those internal mm. conversations of, you know, you made a mistake or you didn't do that right or you could have been better. Like I find those quite difficult. I'm getting much better at them because I think they're really mm. important. But when you start doing that, they're kind of very confronting it's be, I think it's because you encounter some things that you don't like. It's things that about yourself that you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily familiar with. And then by extension, maybe don't like, because it's something that you don't have the chance to, to, to spend a lot of time thinking about in regards to yourself. There's no harm in it though. Le learning about yourself and learning how to, to look after yourself is something that is incredibly valuable and incredibly important and important for growth. Yeah. Um, in terms of writing this story, um, I, I went through a whole bunch of, of mental health issues of my own writing this story and this book became an escape for me. Um, and that, but from that book, I discovered and learned what I wanted to do and who I was in a per, as a person, where my limits were or where my goals were and where I, I, dis, I actually discovered from, from that where, what actual environment I thrive within myself. Mm -hmm. which is something that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't had actually gone through the, that moment or those, that period of very intense doubt um, where the only escape for me was me and this white page mm -hmm. that had no words on it. Uh, and here I was <laughs> just typing away frantically, trying to, to, to escape into this world for a few, you know, for, for, for half an hour every day <laughs> after the end of work. It's a, you got to go through those moments sometimes, but I think the, one of the key learnings and important messages from here is that we could as, and, and, and of course we, you know, if we're talking about the subject of, mass, of toxic masculinity, we could teach people to do it, to, to, to face those moments um, a lot better because there's assumptions that we have made in the past around gender and how men should be and how women should be. And if we were, people, were prepared to be a bit more vulnerable, if we were prepared to, to talk a bit more about these issues, and if there was not such a stigma around it, people would probably be able to face these issues with a lot more clarity and surety in themselves, um, I ho I'd hope. Um, again, not a healthcare professional, but it's again, <laughs> not only allowing that giving, uh, you know, when, you when we talk about a safe space for other people, also giving yourself that safe space. Mm. giving yourself that break 
Yeah, which we are. We're is, very hard on ourselves. I think we're harder on yes. ourselves than anybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it drives you to points of, you know, of it drives people to such extreme points um, where just not allowing themselves to actually, you know, be prepared to be vulnerable and alone with themselves. Mm. Um, but also just going easy on yourself. It doesn't matter how much we grow or how much we want to be a good person. We are going to make mistakes. And I think the forgiveness of yourself is really important as well. Now, you've touched mm. on it a little bit, Nick, um, talking about, you know, I guess writing was a little bit of a cathartic experience for you in some ways. But uh, the famous question, why do you write? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to answer. I write because it's, I love to escape into those worlds and actually kind of envisage something or talk about something that, I see within the current world that I think needs to be talked about more or addressed more or viewed in, a, in another way, in another context. That's where I am right now. I'm very much at the, you know, I've taken that first step with a, with a book. I wrote a book. I proved to myself that, hey, I can do this. <laughs> I did it. I did a thing. I did a book. It's How no, awesome no, is that? No easy feat either. No easy feat. People look at a book and they go, oh, you think this is easy. You think this is easy to write. But it's, it's a very, it is a very complicated and emotionally investing thing. And I, I admire the, the likes of people like, you know, Amy Kaufman who can pump out, you know, four books a year because that's a lot of effort. Um, for me, this book was as much as, you know, it talks about, you know, the, the thing, it, it talks about issues within Australian society and issues around men and mental health. Human beings are kind of a storytelling creature. We are very, we're social creatures where we, we, you know, go off each, we, we interact and we, and we work and we talk to each other and we work with each other. That's what human beings do. And storytelling is one of the oldest, you know, uh, activities, uh, that we are capable of. Um, and I love telling stories. That's the space that I have been in from, from a young age. You, you, it takes a while for you to get the hang of it. It takes a while for you to realise that, hey, I can do this. But I just love being in that space. And when I, tell, when I write those stories, I write for me. because, and, and, that, and from that, I hope that the audience gets something out of it. Um, and if they do, that's even better because it, it again, leans into that, that whole human experience. Mm. Um, we all have those moments. And if you're writing about real things and real experiences, even if they're yours, you can probably be assured that other people are experiencing them too or know mm. people who are. Yeah, exactly. It's Well, uh, Nick, thank you for having this very vulnerable and honest conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less from the message that you were trying to uh, convey in your book. So thank you. I think we had a, a very nice, honest discussion and there was some vulnerability in there too, my, my favourite thing at the moment. And it was lovely to have you on the other side of the podcast and uh, there'll be another opportunity for me to come back on the weekend Booktopia as well and um, talk about what I've read and then try not to lose Book Fight again. So there's good times ahead of us, Nick. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's so lovely to, to get out and, and tell people about your book, but also just tell people about, you know, talk, talk to each other about being vulnerable with each other. It's been an absolute joy, Danny. Same here. And, you know, this podcast has always been, yes, about books, 
but um, equally it's always been about conversation and about human beings and the things that we go through and where these ideas emerge. So thanks, Nick. <laughs>